Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, there is a growing crisis in youth athletics. Newly inducted OHSAA Hall of Fame official D. Clay talks about the rewards and challenges of being a high school sports referee. Also this morning, ONU constitutional law professor Dr. Scott Gerber joins us to share his thoughts on the Supreme Court's most significant cases of this term, addressing abortion, gun control, religious freedom, immigration, and perhaps even more significantly, federal regulatory authority. And of course, we have more yummy recipes from the files of Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 24th, 2022. If you need a reason to celebrate today, we got some. It is Celebration of the Senses Day. Boy, that sounds pretty deep right there. Celebration of the Senses Day. International Fairy Day. It is Museum Comes to Life Day. National Pralines Day. Swim-a-lap Day. National Food Truck Day. Take your dog to work day today, although you probably want to check with your boss first. (laughs) You want to show up with your dog just out of the blue and proclaim, hey, it's take your dog to work day. Uh, That may or may not go over well at your workplace. I'm just telling you. I'm not recommending. I'm just telling you. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. And it is World UFO Day today in honor of the first reported sighting of flying saucers. It occurred on this day in 1947 over Washington's Mount Rainier, the first sighting of an unidentified flying object. So today, World UFO Days. Reasons to celebrate today. So uh, yesterday, as expected, the uh, FDA uh, banned Juul electronic cigarettes. Uh, ordering the market-leading company to pull its products from store shelves. Uh, Juul is widely blamed for creating a national surge in teen vaping and has been targeted by government regulators before. In 2019, they were pressured into ending all of their advertising and eliminating their fruit and dessert flavors. Uh, To stay on the market, e-cig companies are required to show that their products benefit public health, meaning they have to prove that adult smokers who use them are likely to quit or reduce tobacco use, while at the same time, uh, teens are unlikely to get hooked. And uh, the FDA said yesterday that Juul did not reach that standard, did not have enough evidence to show that they met that burden. And, uh, Specifically, the FDA in its statement said uh, marketing its products would, uh, let's see here, Juul's application did not have enough evidence to show that marketing, marketing its products would be appropriate for the protection of public health, unquote. Juul, uh, for their part, say they will attempt to get a stay in the uh, ban while it considers all of its next steps, including a possible appeal. I would think that would be Likely. Here's the thing. Um, that's Juul is not the only e-cigarette uh, option on the market, but only Juul has been pulled. And uh, so I have a feeling that they're 
appeal will likely focus on that fact that they are being unfairly targeted when there are other uh, e-cigarette manufacturers who are still allowed to sell their products. And um, I think they may have a case there. It's not that I'm advocating for e-cigarettes or anything like that, but there are other options out there, but only Juul has been banned, at least for now. And um, I think one of the reasons why they are being targeted is because Juul is owned by Altria, which is big tobacco. And uh, I think that uh, the health wing of this administration is health wing of the government just in general is uh, bound to determine to put big tobacco out of business once and for all. And they're owned by big tobacco. So I think that's why they're the the focal point of this. But it'll be interesting to see uh, where this goes, what will happen uh, in any appeal. Stay tuned. This is not over yet. Speaking of health, uh, you know, the COVID vaccine now has been approved for uh, the youngest children in this country, uh, those uh, under age five, from six months to age five. Uh, But you might not be able to vaccinate your child at the local pharmacy. You can go to, you know, uh, CVS or Walgreens or whatever and uh, get a vaccine for yourself and for your older children. However, local pharmacies uh, have to abide by certain age restrictions. CVS offers vaccinations for children five and older uh, in some locations. Walgreens uh, states that patients must be at least three years old. I'm not sure about Rite Aid, Rite Aid, but uh, uh, basically it means that parents of these younger children, if you want to get your younger children under age five vaccinated, more than likely, you're going to have to uh, go to your doctor's office, schedule a visit there. So just a a heads up on that. Um, This apparently is uh, now official. I think we've all known for a long time, again, speaking of your health, that going on vacation can be good for your health, help you de-stress, decompress. Uh, It's good for depression, and, and break out of a funk, that sort of thing. Well, now it is official. A new research paper from Edith Cowan University shows that going on vacation does have a positive impact on mental health issues and even conditions such as dementia, as they can help you stave off dementia going on vacation. Because you are suddenly thrust into a new environment, you have new experiences, and that can help provide Cognitive stimulation, which is one way of warding off dementia and uh, mental decline. Vacations also usually include more walking, more fresh air, more sunshine, all of which is good for our body, both physically and mentally. Dr. Jun Wen said that more research is needed, but what this means is ultimately your doctor could actually prescribe a vacation as a medical intervention. And that, I think, is kind of interesting, especially the implications there. I mean, think about this. If if you have no vacation time at work, uh, maybe you've used all of your paid time off, or uh, maybe you haven't worked at a place long enough that you have vacation, or maybe your uh, office doesn't offer paid vacations, and then your doctor prescribes a vacation, what, is, what implications does that have? 
If it's prescribed, does your employer have to pay for it? Even if you have used up all your vacations, there, there are some interesting implications there above and beyond the more interesting factoid that your doctor may one day in the future be able to prescribe a vacation as a medical intervention. So again, stay tuned. Wonder about the implications there. One thing that apparently is not good for your health, plant-based meats. Well, it's not that they're not good for your health necessarily, but they don't pack the same protein punch as re as the real stuff, making them less nutritious. This is research from the Ohio State University. Got to put the the in there now because, <laughs> you know, that's trademark now. Research from the Ohio State University says their experiments real reveal that human cells take in fewer proteins from meat alternatives because they are harder for the body to absorb. The discovery, they say, could lead to the development of healthier products, ultimately, ranging from faux fish sticks to chicken cheats, the ever-growing slate of, uh, of uh, alternative meat products and the ever-growing population on Earth has increased the challenge of providing sufficient proteins from meat without compromising the ecosystem. Uh, additionally, concerns about food security and the awareness of a healthy diet have shifted the focus from traditional meat products toward plant-based protein meat analogs. That's what they scientifically call them. Protein-based meat analogs. But the latter contain abundant proteins and negligible saturated fat and cholesterol, which is good. Um, but uh, nevertheless, proteins from plants commonly display inferior digestibility compared to their animal counterparts. So... Interesting stuff there. Uh, speaking of diet, I saw this on the uh, newswire. I thought it was kind of interesting. A new survey, 2,000 adults, finds that those who have dieted in the past have tried an average of five different approaches. And uh, almost three in five U.S. adults have attempted a traditional diet at some point in their lifetime. 58% say they've tried it. Yet 79% of those respondents say they are likely to revert back to their old eating habits after completely giving up on a diet. Survey also finds that many uh, seek out diets to help them feel good physically, lose weight, boost their energy and immune systems, and feel good mentally. Then top reasons for dieting. But it don't work, at least not always. That was kind of interesting. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day... Uh, this goes back to the uh, vacation question. And uh, how about this? If you're looking for a vacation idea, you can head to the Virgin Islands where at one resort, instead of diving among the coral reefs and seeing the underwater sights, you can dive for rum. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this resort, the uh, Belongo Bay Beach Resort, um, in the Virgin Islands, they regularly drop full bottles of flavored rum in the ocean for guests to discover on their diving excursions. Peach, blueberry, lemonade, pineapple, key lime. They chuck all kinds of flavors of rum into the water for what they call their weekly snorkel booze hunt. <laughs> it is, they call it a unique take on exploring the waters of the Caribbean. Staff throw... 
rum into the water off their sandy beaches. And this event is not new, apparently. They've been doing this for quite some time, and they have it uh, for decades, in fact, and they've perfected the rummage for rum. Each bottle is numbered so they know which, if any, have not been found at the end of the hunt. And they have attendants on kayaks to bring the bottles to shore once the snorkelers find them. So <laughs> it's like a, an Easter egg hunt for adults, if you will. <laughs> Sign me up. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sun expected again today with a high in the mid to upper 80s. It'll be mostly clear tonight, low of 62. The parents of Stone Folds, who died after a hazing ritual at an off-campus fraternity, are suing Bowling Green State University. His family claims BGSU turned a blind eye to hazing within its Greek organizations while encouraging students to join fraternities and sororities. The lawsuit lists dozens of reports of hazing dating back to 1996. It spells out a dozen incidents involving Pi Kappa Alpha, which is a Fultz's fraternity, arguing BGSU knew about the group's hazing ritual involving alcohol that ultimately killed Stone, but did nothing to stop it. I'm Dan Cummins. Finley's Riverside Pool and the YMCA are being affected by a national lifeguard shortage. Katie Nielsen, assistant aquatics coordinator for the YMCA and manager of the pool, says they definitely could use some additional lifeguards. If you want to apply to be a lifeguard, you can look into the Y. Uh, we have lifeguarding classes that are often offered off and on, or if you're already a lifeguard and wanting to, then you just need to apply at the Y. She says they do have enough lifeguards to cover all areas, but if it would become a safety concern, they'd have to shut down a diving area or a slide. Get more on the website. Ohio's two major candidates for governor disagree on a proposal to suspend state and federal gas taxes. Republican Governor Mike DeWine's office says, quote, the most significant things our country can do is to increase fuel refining capacity and reverse Biden administration policies that have had the adverse effect of reducing supply and increasing gas prices. Meanwhile, DeWine's Democratic challenger Nan Whaley says in a statement, quote, while Mike DeWine tries to score political points and blame others for high gas prices, he's refused to actually take action that is within his control to help people who are struggling, unquote. Dave James, I'll win in news. The Ohio BMV says beginning on Monday, drivers will be able to renew their license online, adding to the list of services through the BMV that can now be completed on their newly updated website. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, as you might have heard earlier this week, D. Clay of Fostoria was recently inducted into the Ohio High School Athletic Association Officials Hall of Fame. For some 45 years, he called football games and track and field meets around the area and across the state. Without that kind of dedication, there would be no games. And that is precisely at the heart of a growing crisis in youth sports, a lack of officials. D. Clay, thanks for joining us this morning. And first of all, congratulations on that accomplishment. What went through your mind when you first learned that you had been chosen for the Hall of Fame? Well, it was the pinnacle of 75 seasons total of sports officiating. I did football for 30 years and track and field for 45. 
And that's the greatest honor that I, I could have ever received. What initially got you involved in officiating all those years ago? After I graduated college, I became a uh, teacher and was offered a job at Little Van Lu. Uh, Van Lu uh, wanted me to be the head football coach, junior high basketball coach, and head track coach for boys. Now, keep in mind, this was before Title IX. There was no such thing as girls' athletics at that time. Right. So I, I took that job at Van Lu and was head football coach, head track coach, junior high basketball coach. Yeah. I drove a bus. I cleaned the locker room. I taught <laughs> migrants feeding in the summer. I did it all. I was going to say, in, in uh, Van Lu, uh, a lot of folks wear many hats uh, in that school district. And then, they sure do. And then uh, how did that transition then into officiating? Well, after two years at Van Lu, I had a chance to move on to Pastoria. So I was just a freshman football coach for four years and then a varsity assistant and decided it just wasn't as much fun as it used to be. After I got out of it, I missed the game. So I ride my bike out to the stadium and watch uh, double sessions. And thought, well, what was I thinking, getting out of this game? And then another guy that was refereeing a uh, scrimmage said, why don't you get into officiating? Our first was uh, the only registered track official in the whole area and he wanted to get out of it, and he said, why don't you become a track and field official? So I took his advice, I took the test, and in both sports, uh, I had a full schedule uh, well, every season. Well, yeah, uh, you know, as you mentioned at the at the time, uh, you pretty much were uh, one of the very few, if not the only, uh, track and field officials. As that is an example, uh, we were talking. There is a shortage of official these uh, these these days in all sports at all levels, um, and and it is not necessarily anything new, and that really takes a toll on the officials that we do have. I'm sure that you experienced that over the course of your years. My phone rings off the hook every spring. <laughs> I used to work 40 to 45 track meets every spring. Wow. And over the years, as I got older, I cut back little by little. I had friends. I had my own sons that were competing, and I wanted to uh, watch them. And then uh, the grandkids came along. Yeah. And... Uh, I just want to tell everybody that you don't have to be a great athlete in any of these sports. You, you don't even have to play the sport. I was a baseballer back in the day. Mm -hmm. I never ran track and field. You have to have a love of sports, and you have to have love being around the kids. You know, a lot of people will point to the criticism that officials will take from players, from coaches, and especially from fans. What do you tell younger officials about how to deal with uh, what is often unfair criticism? I usually tell young officials that people who criticize them or harass them, whether it's uh, coaches, players, parents in the stands, or what we call the cable guys, the guys that never sit down at a football game, for example, they're always leaning against the fence yeah. and giving you their wherewithal. <laughs> they are they are not mad at you. They it's not a matter of them not liking you. 
what they are upset about is the call that you made. And you're going to please 50% of the fans and the coaches <laughs> half the time, and the other half the time they're going to be upset with what you called. I, and I'm sure that you had your run-ins with those who weren't happy with you for one reason or another, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, you talk about the positive experiences that you've had and the fun of being part of some really exciting moments in those sports. Oh, yes. I had the privilege of watching a lot of great athletes on the football field. Some of them, of course, went on to the professional level. I had the privilege of watching a lot of great athletes in track and field, going and working at the state track meet for 32 straight years. Wow. 16 as an assistant, 16 as the head discus judge. In the end, does the does the good outweigh the bad? I mean, is it worth it? Would you do it again? Oh, my, yes. Obviously, the solution to the problem of, of not having enough officials uh, is to get more people to come out and become sports officials. And again, they are needed at every sport, at every level. What advice would you have for someone who wants to be a part of that solution? Three words for all those fans, parents, grandparents, Coaches, athletes, former athletes, for all those people, make the call. Get in touch with the Ohio High School Athletic Association. It will uh, online. They can uh, get all the information they need online. It only costs like $60, and you take the test online, and it, it will be a joyful experience for everyone that gets into it. D. Clay, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. I appreciate you guys asking me to do that. Thank you. So this is a big week for Supreme Court watchers. Uh, Already a couple of major decisions. Uh, Some more could be coming today. We are joined once again by... Uh, law professor Dr. Scott Gerber with the Ohio Northern University Pettit School of Law and Associated Scholar at the Brown University Political Theory Project. And uh, Scott, first of all, by the way, congratulations. Understand you were uh, the recipient uh, recently of the uh, Collier Prize, which is a pretty big deal in your line of work. Well, th- yeah, thank you very much. Uh, on June 15th, I was invited up to New Haven, Connecticut to receive the award. Uh, the Chief Justice of the Connecticut Supreme Court spoke at the dinner, so it was very nice. Thank you. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of these uh, cases. A couple that have already decisions that have come down yesterday. Uh, there was the uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, Inc. versus uh, Bruin. That was the Second Amendment case challenging the concealed carry licensing process in the state of New York. Not surprisingly, the justices sided with the uh, Second Amendment advocates in striking down those restrictions concealed carry laws that may impact other states but probably really won't uh, have much of a difference in ohio based on our laws right right uh in that case the supreme court with justice clarence thomas writing the majority opinion invalidated a new york law that required uh individuals who wanted to carry a handgun in public to show a special need, i.e. a pattern of threats. Mm -hmm. Um, And the court said, no, uh, you can't uh, put the burden of proof on the uh, person who has the Second Amendment right. Uh, The government has the burden of proof to establish that there's a tradition in our history 
of that specific type of regulation. So now, a big win for the gun, uh, uh, Bobby. And uh, they, well, I would imagine, uh, might use that as ammunition, no pun intended, to challenge uh, other laws in, in the future restricting uh, access to guns. Would they not? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were will, but, uh, you know, Justice Kavanaugh wrote a separate concurring opinion uh, joined by Justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts, in which he emphasized uh, Justice, the late Justice Scalia's opinion in the 2008 Heller case that explicitly said, as you and I discussed a few weeks ago, that it is, it is okay for the government to enact reasonable uh, gun control regulations. Yeah. And so I think if someone challenges, you know, background checks and things like that, the, uh, uh, the government will win on those ones. Yeah, that uh, obviously moving forward, we still continue to have uh, that uh, question of the definition, legal definition of reasonable. Uh, there was also earlier in the week a decision in Carson versus Mackin that struck down the law that precluded uh, private schools in Maine from participating in the state's voucher program simply by virtue of their religious affiliation. That one could have much wider implications uh, across in, in a wide uh, range of areas, not just with respect to school funding correct i I wrote an op-ed um for the new york post that you linked uh uh, to your webpage this morning Mm -hmm. uh where i pointed out that the majority uh of the supreme court that struck down the main law was correct uh because uh the establishment clause does not make the free exercise clause uh meaningless and so what the defense, the, the dissent, and what Maine seemed to say was that any time the government provides any kind of assistance to religious um, schools and the like, it's unconstitutional, and that simply is untrue. And I have a book coming out called Law and Religion in Colonial America uh, with Cambridge University Press where I walk through the early colonial history that shows that what America is most committed to is the free exercise of religion and that Thomas Jefferson's uh, wall of separation between church and state is a myth uh, and inaccurate, and the court has to stop uh, employing it. There's another uh, case, and I, I don't believe this one, uh, the, the ruling has come down yet. Maybe we'll get this one today. Uh, Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. That's the one, uh, the case of the high school football coach who was fired for conducting on-field post-game prayers with his players, some of whom said that they felt compelled to take part in, even if they didn't want to participate. That one is is a little less cut and dry the 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 first one uh that seems very logical you can't exclude uh, uh you can't exclude a, a religious institution participating in a public program simply by virtue of the fact that it's a, a religious ex, uh, institution that would seem to uh, be the exact opposite of providing special treatment i understand that ruling this one is a little uh more subtle there's a little more dicey um yeah, maybe, but I think that the coach is going to win and win easily because he does have a free exercise right uh, to, 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 to be uh, a Christian and to pray before games or after games. And, you know, the players voluntarily well, this... gravitated towards him. And I know they're saying because he's the coach and they're doing that, mm-hmm. they feel compelled to do that. But I don't think the court's going to buy that. As I mentioned a minute ago, uh, uh, the, the 
the, the free exercise clause of religion is at the heart of our American uh, religious traditions, and so I think he's going to win easily. Uh, obviously, the uh, big uh, ruling that everybody is waiting for is uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. That is the one that could overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, that one is likely to come down today. I was thinking maybe we might get it yesterday. Uh, if it does not come down today, when would it? Uh, well, it'll come, if it's not today, it'll come down, uh, early next week. Um, uh, and they're, you know, I, I don't know why they're holding it. I, I don't expect it to change much. I know, I suspect Chief Justice Roberts is, is working hard behind the scenes to try to get them to make the opinion narrower than simply overruling Roe and, and Casey. But, um, you know, uh, the, the justices are getting threats. Someone tried to kill Justice Kavanaugh, as you know. Yeah. Um, and so they're probably a little bit nervous about it. But, uh, you know, I, my prediction is that it's going to be similar to the leaked draft opinion that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. And right. that is that the conservatives are going to overrule Roe and Casey. If that happens, as expected, what would happen in the state of Ohio? I know that there are uh, several states that have trigger laws uh, that would take effect immediately upon the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Uh, I don't believe that Ohio has such a trigger law. So what in Ohio would then be the law in this state? Would it revert to whatever the abortion law was prior to Roe v. Wade? Yeah, I think there's been legislation introduced in uh, the Ohio uh, legislature, if not enacted yet and signed mm -hmm. by the governor yet, that would essentially uh, uh, establish a trigger law. Uh, but at the moment, Ohio's um, abortion uh, restrictions are, are quite uh, strict in any event. And that, the, you know, the case would simply mean that those are okay, that Ohio can be as restrictive as it wants to be in abortion because there is no constant federal constitutional right to an abortion. Now, as much as that would change things uh, with respect to the abortion issue, and that has long been one of the uh, big uh, talking points in terms of Supreme Court issues, the biggest one in the minds of many legal minds the biggest decision that has yet to be handed down is west virginia v environmental protection agency which is actually a consolidation of multiple cases involving the power of the epa to issue sweeping rules that could overhaul practices in the energy industry the question is whether these uh, agencies have broad regulatory powers on their own and that a lot of observers believe the outcome could have the greatest impact of all moving forward uh, if they say, no, these agencies don't have the authority to issue regulations. They have to go through Congress. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, and I was delighted to see that you mentioned on your webpage that uh, we were going to be talking about this. I think you're exactly right. Um, th th there's a doctrine in administrative law called the major questions doctrine. And that simply says that if it's a big deal, a major policy change that Congress has to do it and that all agencies are allowed to do is fill in the gaps uh, in laws that Congress has enacted. And what uh, the agencies, the EPA in particular has done, the argument goes in these major pieces like the clean air act is actually make major changes, major uh 
switches and directions in the congressional law, and that is uh, a violation of the separation of powers because Congress writes the laws, not the uh, executive uh, branch administrative agencies. And I expect that um, that the states are going to win that, and the EPA is going to be uh, chastened and not have this uh, sweeping authority that it, it claims so, it has, and that this will also adversely affect other uh, executive administrative agencies that won't be allowed to essentially make law anymore. Yeah, exactly. This is going to impact uh, more than just the EPA if the ruling goes in that direction. I guess the heart of it is the definition of what is a law. And, um, you know, because it's not a question of who gets to make laws. It's the question of whether these are laws or reasonable regulations uh, under the regulatory authority of these agencies this could be this could be huge far reaching and it could put an awful lot suddenly on congress's plate could it not absolutely and it's about time that congress starts doing its job uh, with all due respect so uh, this is going to be very interesting to see uh, how these cases are decided and then what happens next. Again, like we said, everybody's paying attention to the uh, abortion question, the possibility well, of the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which is significant. But really, we need to be paying very close attention uh, to that EPA case. So, uh, again, uh, law professor Dr. Scott Gerber with us uh, this morning talking about uh, some of the uh, significant cases that have yet to be decided uh, from the high court. Hopefully, we'll get some clarity yet today. Scott, thanks very much for taking the time. You're an insight. We appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Have a good day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. An attorney from the Cincinnati suburb of Hamilton. Well, it's not really a suburb, but it's uh, Hamilton near Cincinnati. uh, Has been suspended. An attorney has been suspended from practicing law. And why has he been suspended? That's what makes the story part of the broken news. Uh, Apparently, Scott Blavelt, I think is how you pronounce it, 50-year-old independent attorney from Hamilton, has been indefinitely suspended from practicing law after repeatedly been caught, quite literally, with his pants down. While behind the wheel. <laughs> while driving. Pantsless. According to, the, <laughs> according to the court opinion, the lawyer was caught by police not once, not twice, but five times over the past two or three years driving without any pants. <laughs> If uh, Mr. Blavelt wants to return to practicing law, he will have to show proof of compliance with his mental health treatment plan, sustained abstinence from alcohol, and other requirements. Hey, you know, what do you do in your own time? <laughs> Should be your own business. Nobody business your own. But I guess if you're an attorney, an attorney, <laughs> we're held to a higher standard. Authorities in the state of Washington would like to find the driver who wrecked and abandoned a quarter-million-dollar sports car earlier this week. The Washington State Highway Patrol says a 2020 McLaren 600LT was found wedged under a guardrail along a road near Tacoma on Tuesday morning. (laughs) Now, that's not something you see every day. Wedged under a guardrail. I mean, I know McLaren is a low-profile vehicle, but even so, wedged under a guardrail, you have to really 
You have to really work at that, I think. The uh, car was totaled. The door was open on the driver's side. State troopers say it is not uncommon for drivers to take off after wrecking a vehicle. But this driver totaled a car that can cost more than $250,000. They'd like to find this person. I, I have to wonder if it was their own car. Or apparently it, it wasn't, at least the story doesn't say it was reported stolen. So it must have been this person's own car. $250,000 McLaren. You wreck it. Mm. That's tough. Man, that is a bad day right there. That is a bad day. If you get your quarter million dollar McLaren wedged under a guardrail and total it, that's, that's how you know you're having a bad day. A Colorado man facing a long list of charges after authorities say he stole a patrol vehicle from a sheriff's station <laughs> and then later responded to a 911 call. <laughs> Which answers the question, why in the world would you steal a sheriff's patrol car? I guess, unless you wanted to respond to a 911 call. Happened earlier this week near Lake George, Colorado. Jeremiah Taylor stands accused of breaking into a Park County Sheriff's substation and taking off of the car. An uh, emergency call in progress uh, came over the radio, and officials say Mr. Taylor was the first to show up. Um, dispatchers alerted the real deputies who were then involved in a high-speed chase with the suspect. That resulted in a crash and uh, one officer firing around at Mr. Taylor, who was eventually tased and ended up being hospitalized with what were described as self-inflicted knife wounds. So it was a full day in Park County, Colorado uh, on what was this Tuesday? Just as earlier this week. So it was a full day. Uh, let's see here elsewhere in the broken news. Speaking of automobiles, this was kind of an interesting scheme. Mario uh, Ordialis is facing a uh, charge of grand theft after deputies arrested him for giving free airport passes that were meant for employees, airport employees. He was handing them out. Apparently, he had this scheme going, according to the Broward Sheriff's Office. Uh, he worked as a firefighter for the division that mans the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport, all right? Uh, and allegedly, his side hustle involved renting cars and giving away employee parking passes. <laughs> Here, you can rent from me, rent your car from me, and I'll give you a free parking pass. Mm-hmm. That is a no-no. He stands accused of defrauding the... Uh, airport out of more than $3,000 in parking charges. So <laughs> he's in trouble. And uh, finally, in the broken news today, imagine being on vacation and waking up to an unexpected visitor. And that unexpected visitor is a bear. Now, this is a crazy story. I've seen the video on this. Uh, this is what happened to one family vacationing in Wisconsin. Apparently, this is northern Wisconsin, where bears uh, are common. It's part of the country where they do have bears. This family from Illinois was sound asleep in their rented home when the bear crept into the house, was able to actually punch through the screen of a window, of an open window, and came in, got into the kitchen, ate some food, and then ended up working its way into the master bathroom. 
<laughs> wow. And that is when the couple woke up with all of the uh, commotion. Uh, fortunately, they uh, closed the door to the bathroom to trap the bear in. DNR conservation warden Tim Werner uh, was uh, called in and eventually able to wrangle the bear out of the bathroom and uh, out of the home by uh, catching it with a with a pole, you know, one of those uh, cables on the end of the pole. Fortunately, it was just a, a juvenile bear, so it only weighed about 120 pounds. It wasn't a big fight. Uh, everyone, including the bear, made it out safely. But, man, that is a vacation story that you will not soon forget right there. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Get out your red, white, and blue. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th in downtown Finley. Registration begins at Baldwin and South Main beginning at 9 a.m. At 10 a.m., it's float and bicycle judging. And at 11 a.m., the parade kicks off heading north on Main Street. It's the Flag City 4th of July Parade, Monday, July 4th, beginning at 11 a.m. This message provided by WFIN. Be honest now. How often do you argue with your significant other? You may find this interesting. Today's daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives... Uh, something to think about here after your next blow up with your significant other. Uh, recent YouGov poll, 1,000 serious couples in this. 3% said that they never argue. Just 3%. The other end of the spectrum, 8% said that they argue every day. 16% uh, say they argue multiple times a year. And another 16% argue once a year or less. So how do you compare to that? As to what people most frequently argue about, the top thing named was tone of voice or attitude, <laughs> 39%. Money was number two on the list at 28%. Communication style, and 26%. The rest of the top 10, household chores, relationships with immediate and extended family, the amount of quality time spent together, life decisions, health or lifestyle decisions, how you argue was actually <laughs> a reason to argue. How you argue is a reason to argue. And 12% said that they argue over sex. So how does your relationship compare? Guess who's back? It's been a little while. Yeah. It was a couple of weeks. Couple Last, of weeks. Uh, what, two weeks ago uh, on Friday, we did the uh, 20th anniversary. Yep. And so we uh, didn't do the uh, recipes because yep. we had Kicked other me off. lots of <laughs> lots of things going on. <laughs> I wasn't important that day. It, oh, you were there. You were there. Don't <laughs> give me that. And uh, then, of course, on vacation last week. So, yeah. uh, folks suffering from Kyra's Kitchen withdrawal. Withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a fresh collection of recipes from the files of Kyra's Kitchen this morning. My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the uh, studio. Good morning, sunshine. Good morning. <laughs> it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week. Get back week, from I vacation know. and I need another one. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always oh, is? Oh, my gosh. You always need a vacation, right? Come when back you... and do VB. Yes, and whew, I'm tired. I've often said that uh, a lot of times you 
you come back from vacation and uh, you need to go back to work in yeah. order to recover from your vacation. Yeah. It's Not weird the time. way that works uh, <laughs> this time. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, very, very busy week. Yes. Um, but we wrap it up with uh, uh, some great recipes here. And uh, I think a couple of weeks ago when we did uh, the recipes last, it was kind of a uh, south of the border flair. Yeah, it and, was. Uh, so we've got more, yes. I guess. Um, <laughs> we've got a recipe. This, just, this stuff just sounded really good. And I was like, oh, and, uh, the, I want to try. This is also a uh, crock pot recipe, yes. slow cooker recipe. So uh, you don't have to heat up your house. Yeah, which are always popular this time of year. Mm-hmm. For cilantro lime chicken crock pot tacos. Yes. So take four boneless chicken breasts, 11 ounce can of uh, corn kernels uh, drained, one red onion sliced uh, into strips, and then your sauce is a half a cup of chicken stock, two cloves of garlic, uh, chopped up, a quarter teaspoon of salt, quarter teaspoon of cumin, one lime zested, uh, two tablespoons of honey, and a quarter cup of packed cilantro leaves. So in the base of your crock pot, uh, place the chicken breasts, your corn, and your onion slices. Then using a whisk or blender, blend in your sauce ingredients. And then pour that over your slow cooker uh, content, so over your chicken. Uh, Cover and cook on low for four to five hours um, until the chicken is cooked through, like, and you can shred it. So then shred your chicken, uh, then uh, serve that in tortillas topped with your favorite toppings or the coleslaw recipe below. Uh Aha, we'll get to that here in just a moment. Yes. Um, So, uh, pardon my ignorance here, Uh, this says a, calls for a six-quart slow cooker is that yeah. pretty much standard or yeah. is that yeah. okay it's either six or eight okay so it, does it does it matter if it's no. a larger or a smaller one does no. that do you have no. to adjust the time or anything like no. that okay no not really. all right so again yep. forgive my ignorance but i wanted nope. to make sure we clarified that nope. so you can uh, top with uh, whatever your favorite toppings are for the uh, tacos or the tortillas yes. as it uh, as it Sour actually cream, is cheese whatever you like or you can use the Mexican coleslaw. Uh, yes. So this is for uh, tacos. So it's two cups of green cabbage, two cups of red cabbage, and both of those are finely sliced, a quarter cup of chopped cilantro, uh, a quarter or a half of a red onion uh, chopped up, a uh, half a teaspoon of cumin, and then your cilantro lime uh, salad dressing. You can make homemade or you can just get it off the shelf at okay. your Grocery store. Okay. So mix all your ingredients together in a bowl, uh, toss to well coat, um, and then store in an airtight container and refrigerate. I I highly recommend ref- uh, making this the day before and refrigerating it overnight. It gives really, a chance for yes, the flavors all the to flavors really to blend get in, in there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, at least at least four hours or so. Now you mentioned this is uh, great over the. Uh, Crock-Pot tacos. Yes. Um, but could, you could do that standalone, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Most you know, definitely. It's, this yes. is it's not a really good, yeah. limited to that. It no. would be no. uh, a good side dish there yes. for you know your Mexican night, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Taco Tuesday or what have you. And then uh, for dessert, this is kind of interesting, <laughs> given how hot it has been recently. Yes. Frozen 
hot chocolate. <laughs> now, again, when you hear us say hot chocolate, oh, what are you talking about? Hot chocolate in the middle of June. It's been 90 degrees, but yep. frozen, frozen hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. So okay. one cup of heavy cream, one cup of whole milk, three-fourths cups of hot chocolate powder mix, a quarter cup of chocolate syrup, quarter cup of powdered sugar, and then five uh, cups of ice, and then whipped cream for topping. So add the first six ingredients into a blender, pulse until blended, Um, and it's going to be... Um, you want it to be milkshake consistency. Okay. So um, so it's like a milkshake uh, type thing. Then pour into your equally four glasses or so, you know, depending on if you have you know, the little ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And your little ones and stuff. And then uh, uh, top with your whipped cream. And if you're an adult and you want a little spike in there, put some glue in there, you know. There you go. Put some yummy glue in there and you know, just like, spike it a little bit. Just like uh, with hot chocolate, my mom always used Used to like a little peppermint schnapps. Yes, so you there have you a, go. That a that would mint. be perfect. That would, uh, that would be yummy. Be, yeah, that yes. would be really, really good. That would good. be really good. Uh, really good. Uh, yep. In this, and then put some whipped cream on it, and if your sprinkles, if you want, and enjoy. Really, really simple to do. Yes. The uh, uh, frozen hot chocolate. Yep. So that is that is for those who are not coffee drinkers. Maybe you have right. your iced coffee, but yeah. uh, if you're not a coffee drinker, there you have your iced yes. drink. Yes. So and the, it's really good. The cilantro lime chicken. Crockpot tacos, the Mexican coleslaw, which may or may not uh, go on top of the yep. uh, tacos. Whatever you want. And uh, the uh, frozen hot chocolate uh, recipes. All of those are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page. That is at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. Uh, also linked up at the WFIN Facebook page, so you can find them there. And we have the link posted at goodmornings.net. So any number of ways that you can get those recipes and uh, try them out with your family. Yes. And if you have a recipe that you would like to share, oh, yes, please. Uh, by all means. Yeah, we got 4th of July coming up, and I'm like... Uh- Tossing in my head, what? Okay. What should I do? What should I do? I All right, not for so sure. We'll, we'll put yes, that challenge. Put that out challenge there. out there, please. That next week we have Fourth yes. uh, of July. Fourth of July, and uh, we need some recipes. What is your favorite Fourth of July recipe? Your favorite Fourth of July recipe? Yeah. Uh, we'll actually put that pose that question on yep. the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, and so dig out your favorite Fourth of July recipe. Yes. Could be on the Help grill or here. not. <laughs> it could be for a main dish or a side dish mm-hmm. or a dessert, whatever uh, you have, one that that you like. You can share with us. Uh, you can share any of your favorite recipes anytime. Yes. You can also if you have, if you're looking for something uh, want a good recipe for some such. Yeah. Uh, you can. Crockpot. I yeah. have quite a few crockpot on there. Okay. <laughs> so if you uh, have a recipe, a wanted recipe, you can uh, post that. Yes. Uh, on the uh, Facebook page as well. Yes. And uh, we'll get Kyra on the cage, uh, case here. <laughs> Recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net, where you can also contact us via email connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more. Again, goodmornings.net. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out, making a good day, a great weekend. Catch you back here next week.